My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 64 of the Adventure Games podcast. I hope everyone is well and safe. This week, Thomas, Laura and I will be reviewing the latest adventure games we've been playing, which include Late Shift, Summit of the Wolf, Cloudpunk and Dolores, a new mini-adventure game from Ron Gilbert. But first, let's get to the news. We start with two Kickstarter games. First, The End of the Sun is out on Kickstarter. This is a first-person, open-world, non-linear, exploration, story-based game set in a Slavic fantasy world of Slavic rites, beliefs, legends and daily activities. In this game, you can travel back in time to get to know the stories of the same heroes at different stages of their lives. The game is on Kickstarter now for the next two weeks, so there is still time to pledge to make this game a reality. You can also wishlist this game on Steam, and provided the game is successful on Kickstarter, it is due to be released in either 2020 or 2021. The second game out now on Kickstarter is Clio, a pirate's tale from Greycap Audiovisual Media Design. This is a top-down pixel art retro pirate adventure inspired by the old Zelda games and the classic LucasArts adventure games. In this game we play as Clio, a 14-year-old cynical girl living a repetitive life with her father in a bar. She knows everything about the epic adventures of pirate legend Captain Kabeka, But in her everyday life, she is just surrounded by boring fishermen and unsuccessful pirates hanging around at the counter. But when Cleo finds a strange pirate logbook and sees a ghost who gives her mysterious hints, her boring life is about to get turned upside down. She is thrown into a dangerous adventure and finds herself in a world of lies, deceit, greed and bad breath. The world of pirates. And most of them are after the same thing. The treasure of eternal memory. This game still has just under two weeks to reach its goal. And provided it reaches its goal, the release is planned for 2021. The developer is developing the game with Unity for PC and Mac at the moment. But he hopes to see Clio on the PlayStation, Xbox and Switch in the future. Next from Sick Chicken Studios. Nathan Hamley has gone from doing guard duty to Chasing Static, which is the title of his next game. Chasing Static is a first-person psychological horror short story. Uncover the forgotten remains of a government cover-up where a mysterious phenomenon caused time to stand still. Inspired by 80s sci-fi horror and contemporary surrealist cinema, Chasing Static delivers a unique take on the narrative adventure genre through new audio-driven gameplay mechanics and non-linear exploration. There is currently no set release date, but Nathan Hamley hopes to release it sometime in 2020. This is Dr. Williams of Sector 6. I'm here at uh, 53.001975-4.129730. Subject has moved considerable distance since the last manifestation. Uh, 
reading unprecedented noise in the upper limits of 30 megahertz, bearing 260 to 280. We lost sight of the echo. It's like it's toying with us. Three days we've been chasing this thing across the moors. I'm fine. We're both fine. If anyone can hear us, we made it to the bunker. Sam, something happened. I told him not to go. Please, shut it down. Please. Next, we have Westmark Manor from Nudbrim Interactive. This is a journey into the occult, a mind-bending survival horror game with a heavy focus on solving puzzles and exploration. This game is also inspired by the formidable HP Lovecraft. You will need all your wits and bravery to face the darkness and the terrors it holds while trying to stay alive. Only the esoteric few will succeed. Do you have what it takes? You can find out on June 18th, 2020 but in the meantime, you can wishlist a game on Steam. A mournful titillation spread through my mind. Pathways twisting and turning. The place did not look the same as I remembered, as if death itself had visited. Billowing wisps of damp air filled my lungs as I took in the familiar yet haunting atmosphere. I thought to myself that this may look and feel like fragments of the Westmark estate, but it is not. The scriptures need to be read by Theodore alone. Our Lord is waiting for you. Do not disappoint him. Forgive me. What happened? No, there's nothing wrong, but this is in fact the title of our next game, from Genius Slackers. What Happened is a nightmarish first-person exploration of anxiety and depression from the perspective of American high school student styles. In this game, you explore a densely atmospheric world of waking nightmares infused with distorted memories and the empathy you show for the character will subtly affect the outcome of his journey. We can find out what happened very soon as this game is set to be released in July 2020. For something a little different, Anastasia Noir has just been announced. In this story-driven visual exploration adventure, you will have to navigate the city of Great Syrium, explore its various locations, and interrogate its less-than-honest inhabitants. 
However, time is limited and you cannot explore everything yourself. You will have to utilize the resources of the local orc gendarmerie to do some of the legwork for you. You will assemble clues, notes and testimonies, all in the hope of finding the culprit. However, the shadow of war looms over everything you do and the moral choice is not always the right choice. This game is set to be released on PC in the spring of 2021 and then later on Switch, iOS and Android. Next we go to the Island of Harmony for Sully Fallen Harmony from Kotal Games. Here on this island birds and humans live together in peace. It's on the fisherman's village that our hero Sully lives happily. As the elder's assistant the young bird works in the temple. One stormy night he discovers a dark prophecy that will change his life forever. Discover the island interact with colourful characters in various places, solve many puzzles and bring back peace and harmony. This 2D point-and-click adventure game is set to be released for PC in the summer of 2020 and you can wishlist now on Steam. Next we go on a Phantom Path from Kyrial where you can explore the ruins of a lost ancient city, uncover the mystery of its esoteric technology and claim its incredible treasure as your own. This game is out on PC now and you can get it on Steam and itch.io. And next we solve crimes in dreams in Oniria Crimes. Oniria Crimes is an investigation game that takes place in Oniria, the land of dreams. Help Detectives Santos and Inspector Torres to investigate crime scenes as part of the Rounders, a secret society that pursues crime in dreams. This game is a combination of visual novel-like story with point-and-click mechanics similar to graphic adventures where the objects will help you to figure out what happened in the crime scene. Oniric Crimes also features a six-chapter story with a mystery plot, Oniric objects with their testimony, puzzles that hide key clues, dark voxel team and appealing progressive music. This game is due on PC, PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch and mobile devices on October 30th, 2020. And next we have Uria from Rewrite Games. This is a cinematic puzzle game about discovering the harrowing past of a long forgotten world. Play as the last of the Oriads and unravel the mysterious history of your people. Uria has a focus on cinematography and it also features environmental puzzles cinematic shots and an interactive world which changes and adapts to the player's presence. This game is set to be released on July the 21st, 2020. Neela Games have announced their new game, Still Stand. This is a darkly comedic interactive graphic novel following the grim yet hopeful journey of one woman through a summer riddled with anxiety, loneliness trying to stay afloat in Copenhagen with the help from the shadow monster in her apartment. This game is set to be released in summer 2020 and can be wishlisted on Steam now. And finally, Daria Babchuk and Andriy Petrov have released Related, which is a game that immerses you into the dark but fascinating story of two sisters. Explore the dark locations of an abandoned orphanage, solve mysteries while immersed in memories. The first chapter is out now, 
and the next two chapters are set to be released very soon. So that's it for the adventure game news for this week, and you can check out the links to all the games mentioned in the show notes. Now let's head to the reviews. I am joined as always by two of my very, very best friends, uh, Thomas Bex and Laura Cress. Hello. <laughs> why are you guys laughing? I don't know yes. why you guys laughed. <laughs> oh, we're, we're quite honored by that introduction there. Yes. Surprise, maybe. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that too. So yeah. As, as always, Thomas, you, I know we keep saying this, you used to be our flying Dutchman, but now it's um, staying at home watching the Clone Wars Dutchman. That, yeah, I finished, uh, finished watching the Clone Wars Dutchman, and uh, a Dutchman who's very happy he watched the Clone Wars because that was bloody amazing Star Wars uh, stuff. Uh, yeah. And and how often have we said that lately? Ooh. <laughs> well, not me. At long, yeah, well, with The Mandalorian, I said it. Oh, well. with The Mandalorian is pretty good. It's yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. So, I would love um, to see. Uh, I would love to see a point-and-click adventure game take place yes. in the Star Wars universe. Ooh, yeah, I'd love to see. Uh, yeah. It will never happen, but... Nope. Um, Unfortunately, but, no. No, no. <laughs> no. But it would be great, you know, like Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. That yeah, be... there, are, there are enough plenty of games that show that it works. I mean, if anything, uh, point-and-click adventures can be very cinematic. For instance, oh, I don't know if you know this yes. game called Heaven's Vault, but... Uh... <laughs> you should tell us about ding, that Ding, ding, ding. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Full and house. This, and Disco Elysium, if, uh, I don't think you've spoken enough about that game. <laughs> Have we? Hmm. No, and <laughs> um, and then we're we're joined by you used to be our quest queen Laura, but according to your Instagram page, you're a dancing queen now. <laughs> always, I was always a dancing queen because it's ABBA, because it's Eurovision. Yes, it's Eurovision week. At least though, uh, when we're recording. So, h- how are you holding up that you're not oh. in Rotterdam? Oh, I mean, it's okay. I've, I, you know, I, I can still, I can still watch the performances. Oh, that's good. I mean, unfortunately, due to the COVID nineteen virus, you can't be in Rotterdam or anywhere. Yeah, well, I, yeah I literally can't be. Your home. <laughs> Ooh, that's very nice. Right. <laughs> well done. Oh, but there are performances for Europe. So, what, what are they doing instead? Because are they doing oh, something? We don't need anything? to go into all of no? this. No. Okay. But I tell you, there's a podcast if you want to go into all of that. <laughs> Look there? up no Poir, people. Nope. And apparently in one of the previous episodes, you and your ghost Martin did some really interesting Irish accents. Yes. Yeah. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> I, I thought it, I was going to call the, what is it? The Hague for crimes against humanity. <laughs> oh, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> surely. Well, no, but I would recommend now. people listen to that podcast. Oh, it thank was, you. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun listening to the two of you talking about <laughs> something that won't happen this year. But anyway. <laughs> Talk rubbish, yeah. I mean, I'd like to see a Eurovision point-and-click adventure, but I think <laughs> that, that's even less amazing, likely. Actually. How would that work? <laughs> I think that's even less likely than a Star well, Wars point-and-click adventure. Maybe I'll well, make you... one. Maybe I'll make I it. I mean, there'd be mini-games maybe that when you're singing, you'd have to hit the right tone you'd have to with the, or maybe with the right um but it could be just like you have to, you want to enter the eurovision contest and there's three things you need to do to enter i mean that's the basis of nearly every adventure game True. there's you some contests people <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah anyway so. anyway sorry i feel like we probably really even more on. likely to happen than the star wars point of click adventure game maybe so. maybe now that i've started talking about it it this sounds any, excellent i mean 
I, I know the game developer listened to this podcast, um, though if you want to make a point-and-click adventure game or adventure game about the Eurovision, hey, we've had weirder games made in the past. <laughs> That's true. So why not? So hey. anyway... <laughs> Well, uh, this week, uh, we're back again. It, by the way, does it feel like 15 years since the last time we spoke? Because I, I don't know about you guys, but April was a very long year. It, yeah, <laughs> it certainly it was. Almost as long as uh, March. Yes. <laughs> almost is it May now? Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, apparently well, it is. Almost halfway May already. It's weird because March. time both time is both fast and slow. It's and crazy. Slow, it's Yes, it's like we're living in the middle of a black hole or something where time is like both fast and slow. It's, um, well, anyway, uh, we do have some games to talk about this week, thankfully. And uh, speaking about people speaking rubbish on a podcast, uh, <laughs> we, hope not to do, we hope not to do too much of that. But uh, So, Laura, you'll be talking about uh, Late Shift and yes. you'll be talking about a new game from Ron Gilbert. was a nice surprise. And Thomas, you'll be talking about Summit of the Wolf, and I will be talking about Cloudpunk, a new cyberpunk game that was released a few weeks ago. Um, now, first of all, before we get to the games, I want to talk very quickly about a book. And yes, because this is a new segment called the Book Review Segment. Uh, but this this book... Has... It's, it's a podcast, Sorsha. It's no use of showing the people when you're listening. I'm, so, oh, I'm showing you guys. And we can describe I'm showing it. you guys. Yes, this it's is, got uh, pages. This, this is great radio, I know. That was also to help me remember what it's called. <laughs> oh, God. But you've read it's, it. <laughs> yes, I, I know. But it's called The Guide to Classic Graphic Adventures. And it's from those fine folks at HardcoreGaming101.net. So basically, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It's a guide to classic adventure games uh, from the late 80s until the early 2000s. It's a very big book. It's about 800 pages. And they have reviews of over 300 adventure games. Wow. So they go back from the text adventure game, so Zork, and before that as well, up until the early 2000s, so up until the Runaway series and Secret Files Tunguska. And now, it, it's a very interesting book. It's uh, you know, very interesting reviews. Now, one thing is that they do give some spoilers or some minor spoilers, which I mentioned at the beginning of the book. Now, most of those games are very old anyway, so I believe the statute of limitations has probably passed. But there are a lot of games there that I, that I was like, I really want to play them. Equally, there are quite a few games that I was like, bloody hell, I, have no, I do not want to play them at all. Because one thing I've realized is Wow, the puzzles were just insane back then. Mm-hmm. They were just so cruel that they're. And again, we people know this, you know, from not just Sierra, but from a lot of companies. That's, it was just the norm back then to have time limits where the players didn't know there were time limits, and they're oh, yeah. absolutely insane. Arcade sections. Um, uh, it was it was Wild West back then. Yeah. It's, and like, and we spoke about guidance, you know, about this. And there's a very long section on the Mist games, and they're big fans of Mist games. Oh. But to go into detail, now they're very interesting talking about the games. It's probably more interesting than the games themselves. Ooh. <laughs> but uh, they're uh, they they do talk in details. But some of the puzzles were, and they do mention them. They are one thing I liked about the book is that even with the classic games, there they don't look at them with the rose tinted. Glasses. They do. They are critical when they need to be. You can tell that they are fans of the adventure game genre, 
And uh, there's some interesting games that they mentioned there as well. So I would say if people have an interest, particularly with the older, the older adventure games, text adventures and parser adventures, I would definitely recommend it. And it is available, well, major bookstores online, Amazon, and believe other places as well. But definitely you can still get it on Amazon. Well, say, where do you get it now? The best. Yeah, so online, <laughs> everything now. So. Yeah. And just say the title again and and uh, and who, it, who it's by, because I, I am intrigued. It's the Guide to Classic Graphic Adventures. And it's Great. compiled and I got it too, but I haven't started it. Kurt Kalata. So it's by Kurt Kalata. Now, he didn't write all the reviews, but he did. He played a lot of adventure games. I, I uh, had a sneak peek at the uh, at the at the titles, and I think I played a lot of them back in the day. Yeah, I'd say you'd probably be more aware of them, Thomas, than than at least me, because I was like, "Oh, this looks interesting." And um, it's no, but a lot of the games, you know, there's Time Quest, which I really want to play now as well. And uh, there's a Bill and Ted uh, adventure game, and there's a Snoopy and the Scooby Doo adventures. Which I didn't know about, which and just a lot a lot of games. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, there was a sort of era when that just anything was kind of an adventure game when it was tied in with something, like you say, like right, Scooby Doo yeah. and stuff, like for kids, I guess, at least. Yeah. A so lot of those were, they also took way more way more uh well chances. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but uh adventure games were very popular in the in the in the eighties. Uh and and I mean, I remember clearly remember playing like the um, the Hulk and the Spider Man adventure text adventure games, and they oh, were wow. probably, probably better than the arcade adventure games because it was it was mostly text and graphics, so they could invoke a lot more uh, than they they could uh, with the early eight bit games. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember the the first text adventure game that I actually finished was the Dallas Quest. And I never looked, I never watched Dallas. I knew what it was with JR and everything, of course. But I did finish that uh, that adventure game. And that was a purely a text adventure game. So uh, with with graphics, that is, but not, not the point and click that we knew. I mean, that exploded once Maniac Mansion came on the scene. Well, they don't even mention those two games. <laughs> so that tells you how many adventure games there were, there were or text there were adventures so there were back then. It's probably a lot of the mention of the, uh, the games like The Pawn and uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That game, yes. Those games, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hitchhiker's um, Guide to the Galaxy was a classic, was also, wasn't it? Also a notoriously difficult game. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and Zork as well, because I'd always wanted to play those games, but now I know they're classics or they're considered classics, but now after reading about it, it's like, wow, those games seem insanely difficult. Zork was, was pretty. I never, I never finished Zork, and I tried a lot of times. Mm. But there were a lot of games that were inspired by Zork and had the same kind of setup. Uh, but Zork is, is is one of the big uh, grand poobas of the adventure game industry. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I definitely recommend people check it out if uh, you have any interest in adventure games. Now, even, I mean, you don't have to read it like what I did from page one to eight hundred, but. You it as a reference as well for for adventure games if you're like because they do have some more background information on the companies as well which is quite interesting and so clearly they took a lot of time to uh to you know to write the book now there are some typos which i think maybe if they had um edited a little bit more but then again there's so much so many words in it 
that just started to be because there was one section that keep, kept appearing in the book that they kept saying the adventure game genre was dying in the late 80s. I was like, wait, no, that's not true. It wasn't even around really back then. But they, what they meant to say was the 90s. Um, but they right. just missed it. So, But then again, there's so many words and it's, you know, so much was written in the book that some typos are going to be normal. But I still very much recommend it. So that is the classic, uh, or the guide to classic adventures. And I'll put a link on the show notes to that book as well. And so moving on to actual games then. So, uh, Laura, you were, I believe you were on a late shift. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was. Well done. Oh, dear. It never ends. Um, Let's start a segue here. Yeah, it actually kind of worked. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So, yes, just to explain, I played the game Late Shift. Progress in the basement. Send help. Frank? No, of course I'm not Frank. Send help. Okay, everyone! Why have you brought this here? They threatened to drug me. Threatened to drug you? He just surprised me. don't come to your senses i can assure you that yours will become even longer it's not a very recent one i think it came out in 2017 um but i also i mean i did also play the complex as well and they have the same publisher wales interactive so that um it's an fmv game like the more recent um complex one but this one is a bit more whereas the complex is obviously a bit more science fiction this one's very much like a crime thriller and the idea is you are this guy, Matt, you're a student um, who is on a late shift. You look after this private car park, um, but obviously it's not a normal <laughs> late shift. Things go wrong. You become involved in this kind of crime heist with this gang because um, I don't want to give too much of the story away, basically, but things go wrong. You become involved with this gang. Things go even more wrong. And the whole idea is a bit like with other FMVs, um, full motion videos you might have played. So everything is is filmed as if it's like a, a film, a bit like with 
Bandersnatch and things like that. Um, you have to make choices throughout the game. And what I quite liked with this is, is Matt, his character um, as a student, he's a student of game theory. So that kind of plays into the sort of scenes and his choices, um, game theory being all about probability. So he, in his mind, you'll get in a monologues of him saying, if I run now, there's 70% chance I might be able to make it over that fence and things like that. So that kind of plays into it. I have to say the story, I don't want to spoil the story too much because it's really exciting. Um, there's bits, even kind of things you wouldn't think were that exciting, such as when you're in an auction house and you can stop this girl bidding for this really expensive uh, item. Like she's in, we're in the millions and you can either stop her or you can like keep encouraging her to go. And you don't know, you know, if she's going to keep going and if we're going to have to end up paying for this thing. And even things like that are quite exciting. They, it's shot really well. Um, and I think all the cast um, were very good in terms of acting. It, was, it all felt very believable. Uh, the story goes uh, to some quite crazy places, but um, in a good way. Like It all felt very believable and fun, and it doesn't sort of shy away from some kind of going some dark places and, and quite graphic places as well. Um, so it's, yeah, it's definitely an adult um, game. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I just found it really exciting. It, it, I the one thing I did notice is because I I played it more than once now. I played it through twice. Unlike with the complex, you can't skip scenes if you play it again. So you are playing the full thing again. It's about an hour and a half. But funnily enough, I enjoyed it so much I actually didn't mind because I was just thinking, well, actually, I do want to find out what happens. I probably will play it one more time as well, just to see if I can get. Because there are certain scenes, it tells you how many sort of sections you've unlocked. And I haven't unlocked a final section yet. So I know there's still more to see as well as like all the different scenes. So I don't know. It feels like in some ways slightly more unpolished compared to the complex where at the end you don't get a sort of um, specialised ending. You just get told, you saw this many scenes uh, and that's all you get told, really. And you don't get the sort of ability to skip, which I guess some people might be annoyed at. They may only play it the once because of that. But for me, I, I still kind of wanted to see what was going to happen. Um, the only other thing I found was sometimes the sound editing was like a little bit clipped. So there'd be a scene and you, you wouldn't quite hear the end of a word because it would move on to some because you'd click something and it moved on to something else. So that that's what I mean. Like it's a little bit unpolished compared to the later, the complex, but the story itself was so exciting, characters really well-formed, great acting, that I think it's worth, you know, it felt like you were sitting down to watch a, a film, I guess, which is quite nice in these times to uh, have to do. And the choices do feel like real choices you have to make. And when I went back and played it again, there were scenes, completely whole different scenes in different environments that I hadn't seen last time. Um, which I think they do a little bit with the complex as well, which is kind of nice because you saw a completely whole different side of the story. Um, but I would actually, even though it's a bit more unpol um, unpolished, sorry, um, I would rate it more than the complex just for the story because I just found that one more exciting and a bit more edgy. Um, but I think if you're looking for that more sort of thoughtful take on, on things and maybe a bit more up-to-date contemporary polish then maybe go for the complex but i mean or go go for both of them like i did both. yeah <laughs> i'm in a real uh, fmv uh, kick at the moment <laughs> yeah and I, I believe you can get the two to on a bundle along with two other games uh not uh what are the shape-shifting detective and another one yeah. i believe 
I, I have a late shift as well. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll look into playing that. I would. I definitely at least yeah, once. You, well. you may not want to. Maybe you might. Once might be enough for you, but it. it, the, it there's so many no, twists and turns. The whole fun of an FMV game, at least the, these kinds, are playing it multiple times to to try and find all the endings and see what your other choices can do. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll and to, I was. I was happy to, and I was happy to do that, even though it, it meant, you know, I, I had to. I, I to be fair, I didn't sit through that many scenes that were similar, though, because I went for different choices. So that, you know, and it was still there was still enough excitement that I, yeah. And I guess the thing is, when I replayed it again, I, I knew what was kind of coming up, so I could look for things a bit more. Whereas the first time, you're just, you know, in, into the story. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I even though it's you know it's a few years old now and there's things have moved on maybe a little bit with FMV, it's still worth worth a, a look. I think. Yeah, you should definitely play. She sees red as well. Then it's it's in the library. <laughs> <laughs> They're having an FMV week or month. <laughs> yes, I've just yeah, finished nice. Dark Tales with Poe Monroe as well. So I if can you, talk if about you that. Look at, at how far that that subgenre has come. Yeah, it's true. Oh, definitely. Yeah. De- Even definitely. just so in no, the last few years, but yeah, uh, yeah hmm. definitely from 10, 15 years ago. It's it's grown up quite uh, quite good. I, I, I remember playing a, a very old one uh, that had John Hurt in it. Uh, was one I know what one you mean. Six, I think. I know what one you mean. And it was so bad. Oh, oh it's terrible. It so bad. It's so bad. Well, how What's did they get John again? Hurt? Yeah, money. <laughs> <laughs> How did they get the money? <laughs> well, probably because somebody said, with this money, I can get John Hurt to play in this game. And he was the only thing that was good in this game. It was a weird film, wasn't it? Tender Loving Care. Tender Loving Care, that was it, yeah. And I actually, uh, it looked pretty good and had John Hurt. So I was like, yeah, I can't really go wrong for like two euros or something. It was crazy cheap. So I got it. And I played it, and I regret it. <laughs> it was not a good game. But that almost looks. I mean, I kind of want to play that for a, a so so bad it's good oh, game. Good. <laughs> that that game is like the 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 game equivalent of a '90s soft porn movie. Yeah. And that well, I can't say I, I want to play it now. <laughs> but I believe it. Is the director, I think I read that the director was Adrian Carr, who also directed the later Tex Murphy games. Well, he learned a lot then. So. <laughs> Plumatic. Because that, that game is not good. It's not fun. It has some good elements, including John Hurt, but the game itself, no. It, it's, if you can get it for free somewhere, get it and play it just for the value of the... Of, 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 playing such an old game but if you if you compare something like that to a game like the complex or she sees red or last shift man then then you really see how far this subgenre has grown uh, into maturity so no definitely it has so it's um oh that's john hurt ringing you <laughs> john hurt calling yeah, he's not happy. He wants his game back. <laughs> he said that he put his... Well, didn't he die a few years ago? Oh, oh, oh no. you've got to make it bad. Sorry, you're John. saying he called now. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's... So, anyway, so that, was our review. so that was our review of Tender Loving Care. Oh, wait, no, Late <laughs> Shift. 
Um, so it's uh, no, I really want to play it as well because I, I went back and I replayed the complex, and yeah, it, mm. it does. It is very different when you make different choices and endings. Not only are they different, but they give you more of the story. So you nearly have to replay it to get more of the story, and that really goes very uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think just what I found, I just felt the complex felt more. And I mean, obviously, it's sci-fi, so it's you're not expecting it to be realistic. But I, I just felt late shift a bit more. I guess. I believable in the sense that the characters felt a bit more believable and the plot I could immediately sort of buy into. Whereas the complex, there was a few things after I was like, wait, but why did that happen? Why would, yeah. there was a few things. Whereas late shift, I was like very much, okay, I can get why this has happened and straight into it. And there was a lot of twists and, and a lot of exciting elements, but both of them, like you say, they all go to mm. hell in quite a short space of time and everything. You're like, oh, my God, this is getting so bad now. Um, so, yeah, they're both really a, a, worth a, a play. Nice. And it seems like as well they learned at least some the gameplay thing for the complex. So, for example, in the complex when you replay, you can skip scenes that you've already seen. Yes. Some people, but- I mean, I'm sure there'll be some people who would have found that annoying with Late Shift. So I'd say, yeah, the complex feels like a more... Mm. thoughtful version in that you can skip scenes at the end you know it tells you a bit more about what ending you got you don't get any of that in late shift and it's it just feels a bit more polished so there there are bits where you know they clearly thought all right people want to know a bit more about their ending people want to know about how people feel about you so they've kind of built that into it a bit more but if you if you just into the story then late shift still worth a go it suits uh, uh, this, this these kind of games very well because you you have quite a lot of control about what uh, uh, the player is going to do. Uh, so it, it makes it probably a bit easier to implement stuff like that in a game like this because I thought that was a very cool addition to uh, to the complex. Mm. Oh, definitely. So that was Late Shift, and I believe this well, this is available on. Theme and probably in GOG. I don't know if I should put where it. I will be putting links <laughs> on the show notes, but it is available at least on Steam, and the game is Late Shift. So thank you, Laura. So next, uh, so Thomas. A lot of people probably say that you're at the top of your game when it comes to reviewing games. Or yeah, well, I, I must. Or say that I reached the... a certain summit here. Yeah. Oh, oh. Hey, <laughs> took it out of my mouth. <laughs> so you were at the summit, right? <laughs> yeah, the, the the one for Laura was better. Yeah, it was. <laughs> well, well, you played a game called Summit mean. of the Wolf. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so you play. So you played a game, Summit of the Wolf. This is a very dark, uh, dark game even though it might, not, it might not look like that, because this is a game that deals with trauma, with uh, uh, abuse, um, yeah, with heavy subjects like that. And uh, the game starts with a disclaimer that clearly says, careful, this is a game that deals with child sexual and emotional abuse. Uh, and that really sets the tone for the game. Uh, It's about Ophelia. She's a very uh, cute 12-year-old girl who loves reading books and uh, having fun with her friends. And she wakes up in a fantasy world. And 
She knows certain things. She remembers certain things about her old life, that she was from uh, Michigan, and uh, she rem remembers her parents and her friends. But she's also a pixie now. And her, her uh, quest is to follow the white wolf to the summit of the wolf and drink from the waters at the summit so the truth will be revealed. Uh, that is the, the quest. And the first problem to solve is how to summon that white wolf. And that white wolf represents her innocence. Uh, this, uh, so this all takes place in a fantasy world. And it's a bit like a never-ending story and uh, a labyrinth where you have the fantasy things, but you also have the real-world stuff. So there are two, uh, basically two storylines you're you're uh, you're experiencing here: the one with Ophelia in the fantasy world, and the one in the real world, which consists of two elements: uh, one with Ophelia and something else. I'm not going to say what that is, so there is, I, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but the things that are happening in the real world are reflected in the fantasy world. So. When the more you learn about what is going on with Ophelia, uh, the more sense that fantasy world makes. Because that fantasy world is influenced by the real events and also by one of her favorite books. And you're basically trying to get her to the Summit of the Wolf. And by the time you get to that Summit of the Wolf, hopefully you'll know the truth. And that's uh, that's what you're, you're you're doing in this game. You play... For like uh, with Ophelia uh, for a while until you reach a certain point, then you jump to the to the real world and you play there until you reach a certain point, and then you go back to Ophelia, and then certain events in that fantasy world make more sense because they are they mirror something that happened in the past or in the present with uh, in the real world, and uh, obviously that's not uh, those events are not fun. Because if they were, that disclaimer wouldn't have been necessary. So uh, that really puts a very heavy, uh, yeah, I don't know the, the, the right f word for it, but atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the. Uh, and it it may sound like that it's a bummer. Uh, it's not. It's a good game. Uh, it's just tough to deal with, especially the more you find out what has happened to Ophelia. Uh, that makes it a bit tough to play. And I would not recommend playing this game if you cannot handle the subject matter. Mm. That is That disclaimer is there for a reason, and it is not joking. I'm not saying that you're going to see like uh, very vivid images or anything, but it is heavily implied uh, but, so yeah, but what's what what has happened? What's going on? And is it? And how do they sort of deal with that? Is that the one thing I'm kind of interested with games like this? Obviously, is just how they manage to, to deal with the subject matter. Is it? Do you did you feel it was kind of dealt with in a mature very, way? Very very respectful. Yeah, mm. uh, the game is based on testimonies from survivors. Oh, okay, uh, so they uh, they. They take it very seriously. They take it very respectfully. There is still a lot of fun in the game too, because Ophelia uh, is meeting all kinds of 
uh, different creatures. Some will help her. Some will hinder her. It is very. It's it's very typically uh, fantasy, but because of that real life element, that makes it uh, gives it a completely different feel. And it, and it, it can get, get a bit scary even uh, later on in the game. In terms of the gameplay, are you kind of is there sort of puzzles or things to solve, or are you just is it more yeah, like talking to people or? It's both. It's very basic point and click. So you you can uh, move around a, a certain area. Uh, if they're uh, on the hotspots, you automatically do the correct thing. So either you look at something or you pick it up or you use it. You can combine inventory items. You can combine inventory items with the uh, surrounding area. Uh, you talk to people. Uh, they give you things to do. You try to solve them. Uh, there's, there are some logic puzzles. Sorry, Sersha. Uh, that... Um, that you had that are in, in included in a, in a set of challenges because obviously this is a fantasy world so you need to have challenges in there so it's it's got all kinds of stuff um it took me about seven hours to finish which was longer than i thought it would be uh, and uh, it it was a, a good game it, it did um I, I played it in two evenings and I, I did. I did. Was at. Uh, I, I was at a point where I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, uh, I want to go back and I want to see how this how this ends, because it is a, a full story from from start to finish. It's not like it ends on a cliffhanger. But there is also an, an after credit scene uh, of sorts, because if you finish the complete game, you get access to a, 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 an extra scene that gives you a bit more insight in, into what happens after the game finishes, which is uh, which is nice. Um, the Graphic style is very distinct. It uses a 3D animation, uh, and it is cell shaded. I think it works very well for the fantasy elements. It works not so well for the human elements. It has a lot of uncanny valley there, uh, but uh, it doesn't distract from the story. At least it didn't distract me from the story. It... Uh, the, the, the surroundings are, look all great. The, the, the problem I had was with the, the uncanny valley as uh, part of the of the humans in the in the game, but it's their style. There was actually a, a bit of a more of a cartoonish style uh, with that favorite book that I mentioned. I, I might have liked the game even more if it had that style throughout the game, or for instance, if it had that style for the fantasy part of the game. And then the the other style for the real world part, but those are artistic choices. Uh, it it didn't take away any of the 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 the, the fun from the game itself. Uh, I thought the sound was good. I thought the 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 voice acting was very decent. You can turn it off if you don't like it. I never turn it off, and you know how I am with with voice acting. It's usually uh, a bit of a blind spot to me, but the fact that I never turned it off uh, also says something. Uh, which also it doesn't mean that you have to listen to it all. If you if you read fast, you can just click through it, and it starts immediately on the next part. So it's all very um, yeah, very. They, they they do some decent world building too. Uh, uh, Ophelia has a journal that. Um, in which she keeps her thoughts and also in which she keeps uh, descriptions of uh, the, the, the places she's been and the, the, the people she meets, the creatures she, she, she meets. And eventually, uh, yeah, I finished the game and I was, uh, I was glad I finished the game. 
because I wanted to know how it ended, but also because it was it was a heavy game. I I, I won't deny that it's not a game for everybody because of the subject matter. Right. Yeah. I I t- I watched the trailer. And again, at first, as you mentioned with the graphics, I thought, oh, this is a nice cartoony game, you know, a nice lighthearted romp through a fantasy world. And but very quick, at least in the trailer, they were honest as well. They were like, nope, we're going in this direction. It's like, okay, so they're not hiding it at least. No. Um, it's but I I think as well, we're at a stage now where games, narrative games, are able to tell these very mature stories dealing with these very you know sensitive subject matter where. Uh, you know, and again, you could say that now they're demonstrating, I mean, we know this, but that games are not just for children now, that it is possible to tell these kind of stories with games now, that it's not just, um, you know, one kind of game, or it's not just... This is absolutely is not a children's fine, game. But, right. It's, um, and it's, I believe it's a part of a story-centric uh Universe, I believe the developers made other games. The previous game was the Stonewall Penitentiary, I believe. I, I haven't have, played any of the games, but... I think uh, they are all connected in a way, too. Mm. So they all take place in the same universe. And do you need to have played the previous games to no. really fully understand? Were you able to understand the story yeah. fully? At this yeah, point? completely. It's a, it's a self-contained story, as far as I could tell. If there are any uh, links to, to other games... Um, they did not distract from the main story or anything. I didn't. I, I was. I wouldn't be aware of them, and I could follow everything perfectly. Okay, and it sounds as well. Uh, remember, there is this game, Rainswept, which was released last year. I believe you played it, Laura, didn't you? I did, and I reviewed it for Adventure I, Gamers. Yes, you did. <laughs> um, now I. Because that also was a murder mystery game, but it also dealt with some heavy subject matter as well. So it's, uh, you know, I think we are seeing more games dealing with this subject matter. As you say, it's not for everyone. No. I don't think everyone would want to play games like this, but. The genre lends itself perfectly for telling stories like this. Uh, You you don't see uh, Command and Conquer do something like this. uh, Because it's a totally different kind of game. Although, you know, Last of Us proves that. You can combine it if it's if it's uh, done in the right way. But uh, yeah, this this story is 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 good. It's heavy, and as I said, it deals with uh, with child abuse. It deals with suicide, and not everybody want would probably want to play this. It's not a game uh, you're going to be playing for. Oh, I, I have a few hours to kill. Let me play something light. No. Yeah. No. No. Right. That's you know that's fine. You can have games that are like yeah, that. But it's good to have one hundred percent fine. I want to commend. Um, I want to commend the developers for uh, trying this, succeeding in this. I think I, I feel they succeeded, uh, and uh, I hope. I hope we see more of this, uh, because it it deserves a place in in the genre as well. It doesn't all have to be. Leisure Suit Larry or Guybrush Threepwood or whatever, you know, uh, these games also are part of this genre and should deserve to be played as well. Yeah. Absolutely. The more variety in storytelling, I think, the better. Mm -hmm. um, And again, as you say, kudos to developers for dealing with this subject matter so sensitively. Now, I haven't played the game, but from what you're saying, I think they just dealt with it very sensitively, which that itself was a huge challenge, I'm sure, 
to do, you know, telling a story like this. So, yeah, and it did the research as well. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, so that was the sum- summit of the wolf, and that is available. At least it's available on Steam as well. So, uh, okay, so now the next game. Now we've reached the summit, but now just to go a little bit higher to the clouds. <laughs> Next game is Cloudpunk. The city moves real fast, and you've got to move with it. You make a million choices a day to survive in Nevadas, and some of those choices are gonna hurt folks. Life is going to be hard here in Nevadas. You need to prepare yourself for that. This is Corpsec. You're speaking to Agent Rio. You are currently breaking the law. Corpsec requires you to turn in your passenger and surrender yourself to... If Corpsec have one priority, it's making sure business continues as usual. Camus, people keep mentioning Cora. What is it? 872 different definitions for Cora. The accidents! It's all intentional! Cora is trying to wipe us out! I am Cora. I am not as I once was. I hate this city. I'm about to meet the most feared criminal in this city, and I have to watch what I say. Do me a favor, Riley. Don't talk to me about Cora anymore. Will you be able to wake up tomorrow and do all of this again? Yeah, no, not a no. Okay, well, you know, I tried. He misses. <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> Funny you should mention yes. that. Yes. <laughs> now, this, this game was released a few weeks ago. It's not exactly a taxi game. Uh, you still, you play. No, otherwise, I would uh, be playing it. <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised, Thomas, you haven't. Yeah, well, now you do. I'm a bit disappointed too. I might, I probably have to play it. Well, well, so you play in, uh, you play this game as Rania, who is, uh, who's just arrived to the city of Nivalis, and so you are a delivery driver. That's a job you found for this company called Cloudpunk. So the main thrust of the game is you pick up packages. And then you fly to another section of the city and deliver packages. And then you find out more about the story, about the city, about the characters that way. And now also, what Thomas might be interested to know is you also deliver people. So you can also taxi people back and forth in the game as well. And it, it leads to some very funny interactions because Rania speaks with Control, who is a person who gives her nav points on the map and tells her where to pick up the packages, what jobs to do, and it helps her throughout um, throughout the night. And sometimes when he says, you need to pick up this person, and she complains, she says, I'm not a taxi driver. This isn't a taxi service. And he said, yes, you know, but that's part of the job. So, you know, you deal with it. So, um, so yeah, so you play as Rania, who has just arrived. And so the main thrust of, of the game is flying um, across the city. Now, the first thing is, you know, from the outset, it's very clear that this game is heavily influenced by Blade Runner. 
and other cyberpunk stories, mainly Blade Runner. So it's you know you've got the neon lights, you've got um, you know the lighting which is similar. You have uh, the announcements from advertisements uh, like in the movie, and you have the hover cars which fly around, which you fly in as well, and you have androids as well. But then it also this game also has its own identity because thankfully the androids, for example, know they're all androids, and you don't play as a detective; you just play as a delivery driver. Now, there are a number of things that I really like about this game. First of all, the, the graphics and the scale of the game is really, really impressive. First thing when you notice is, you know, the graphics do look really genuinely amazing when you first see them. And when you're flying through the city as well, it's, there is such a joy that I found because you can fly in the highway with other hover cars and you have a map so you're never lost. So you can go to the nav points. You can also uh, take a detour and fly through the city itself. And here you can see, you can fly above the different sections where you see people walking down below and carrying on with their lives. And then, of course, you have to land the hover car to deliver the packages and continue the story. Now, in these sections, when you... Now, first of all, the flying part, I didn't have any issue flying. I played with a gamepad, and nobody's more surprised than me because I thought I was going to, because I'm usually very clumsy when I'm playing these kind of games. But in this game, I was able to to, uh, play, to fly really well. I mean, I, I crashed a few times, but when you crash, nothing really happens. It, if you crash too many times, you get, um, so you can have some smoke coming out of the hover car. So then you just need to go to a garage and get it fixed. And also you need to get some more uh, gas, some more petrol every so often. But again, that's never that's never an issue. Mm. So is it um, quite free fall uh, then in terms of you could, you're you not like on a, you know, like a bit like with Neocab where I don't know if you, you've played that where it's more about you're having conversations and you're not controlling the car. So you are controlling the hover car or controlling where you go. And, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So you have, um, so you have a lot of freedom yeah. to fly basically. I mean, if you wanted to, you could just forget about the story and just fly around the city and then land on all the walking now, if you are following the story, there you do have a companion, which is an AI, which is taken from your dog. So it's called Camus, and he talks like a, <laughs> you would imagine a dog would. So it's very, you know, naive. And, um, you know, for example, uh, with uh, Rania makes a joke. And, you know, for example, some of the people in the city look down on her because she's an outsider and uh, some of the other characters are really funny. There is um, a lady and her partner who's an android, but she's very snobbish. And she's saying, oh, people from this place, you know, they have uh, insects on their pizza. And they go, no offense there. And then she goes, for example, oh, love that maggot pizza. And then Camus would say, Randy, I didn't know you had maggot pizza. She said, I was joking, Camus. <laughs> so it's kind of similar to Heaven's Vault. You know, when you're flying through, the, um, you're sailing, and you have the conversation between the characters as they're flying. So similar here. So you have the, the two characters speak, and sometimes Control will speak to you as you're flying. Some other characters. So you do have other people talking to you as you fly as well. And um, I, as I said, the, the character, the main characters, I really like the main character, Rania. She has great personality. She's really funny. She's really witty. Even though people look down on her, and even though people kind of are very kind of, uh, you know, not very nice with her. She she can she's more than able to handle them. She answers back very well. Very uh, you know she's very funny as well. 
Uh, but also she's a very kind person. We see that as well when you interact with other characters that you want to help people as well. And we actually, one of the great things about storytelling as well is, first of all, you're just landed there. The first scene is you're just in the car and you're flying and you have no idea what you're doing there. And at first I thought, oh, is this going to be it? But then you do learn more about the backstory of the character as you go through the game. And also the city is its own character because we are told a few times that the city can be quite dangerous to live in, that it's you know, kind of collapsing at times. And then as you're flying through or walking through in the sections, you can see buildings just collapsing. And it is very impressive. And, it, and then just when you think that you've discovered uh, uh, everything you need to discover about the city, you're then sent to another section of the city. So it can be a bit different. So you go to underground where some of the poorer people live and then get to know them. And then the rest of the characters, there's some very funny characters as well. There is uh, there are androids who are all named Mr. Anderson, and that's quite amusing as well. And there's another character who is a PI, who's a private detective, and he always speaks in narration as if he's narrating a 1940s movie, a film noir movie. And that was also uh, really funny. So really liked all, all of that part as well. It looks great, looks beautiful. And then when it, also the music, it's very similar to the Vangelis music in Blade Runner, but it's never overbearing. It's never too much. Um, so it was, and again, the voice acting, I was surprised because reading a bit on Steam, some people said that they had issues of some of the voice acting. I'd say I had no issue whatsoever with any of the voice acting. I thought all the characters did a really good job, particularly the main uh, voice actors of the main characters of Rania, Control, and Camus. And then, now, when you do get to the walking section, uh, it, it's nice in the sense that you can walk around, you can talk with different characters, you can buy and sell different items with merchants and drugs with drug dealers, and that will come into the story as well. And you can even, there are different stalls, you can uh, purchase food, you can eat food like sushi and noodles, and that was quite nice. And so that was overall nice, but the one problem, one of the issues that I had with the walking section is that it never really felt part of the story. So if you talk to characters and if you even eat the noodles or whatever, it's never really part of the story. It never really seems necessary. Um, also, I would have liked some more interactivity. So when you're speaking to the characters, the dialogue I found really good, but then there's no interaction, no dialogue uh, trees or anything, no choices in the dialogue trees. So you're just watching it happen, and you're not really involved. So I would have liked a bit more interactivity there. And also with the term, terms of puzzles. So there are no real puzzles in the game. The only time puzzles are when you have to make choices. Now, the choices are interesting. The choices, um, for example, when you're delivering a package, you hear it ticking. So you have an option. Do you continue uh, delivering it to its intended destination, or do you throw it into the sea? Um, now, Again, uh, you're told if you don't make the delivery, then you might lose your job. Now, as far as I'm aware, there are no huge consequences to the choices. So they could have maybe maybe improved upon that a little bit as well. But then with the turn, there could have been more puzzles as well. Because, for example, when you're told earlier on in the game that you need to get into a nightclub and control tells you it's not going to be easy, so you need to find a way in. But then the solution that turns out to be very simple. It's practically told for you. And so I thought, well, we could have had different options for a puzzle 
here as well. So I think if you want challenging puzzles, this is not the game for you. Now, it's good in a way because I was still really interested in the storyline. So, um, but yeah, so now none of those really affected my enjoyment. They, they just meant that the game was not a classic rather than making it bad. I would still recommend it. I think that this, the scale of it in particular is really, really impressive. And just mo- mostly, I think it's great. It's a huge congratulations to the developers for making such a game like this. And it's going to continue because when the main story finishes, you also have some side quests that you can do. Um, you get some you know, objects from other characters to deliver to other characters. So you can do those if you wish as well. And then when the main story finishes and the credits roll, then you can still fly around the city. So you can still continue with the side quest if you haven't finished them. And the developers, I believe, are going to continue to put more missions in that. So hopefully they are looking for feedback as well. They've already released an update to the game to improve some features of the game. So they are listening to feedback, which is great. But I would definitely recommend this. I think... Um, People would enjoy it. And it's pretty long enough as well. It took me about 14 and a half Ooh, hours wow. okay. overall. Yeah. So, and again, I wasn't stuck and I wasn't backtracking. Again, how much you enjoy this game will probably depend on uh, you know, how much you like the flying and how much challenge you want with the puzzles and that. But yeah, overall, I really, really enjoyed the game. And I, I think so far, it's one of my favorite games of the year. Now, the, the year is still a long way. We've still got a long, long way to go this year, and uh, we feel it at times. <laughs> it's um, No, it's uh, definitely a success, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the developers do next and do in the future, and I would definitely recommend that people check, it, check the game out. So the game is Cloudpunk, and it is available on Steam, so... Definitely Thomas in particular, I think, a taxi delivery cyberpunk. <laughs> it sounds a lot more exciting than Death Stranding, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, I have not played Quite Death a low bar. But I'm, I'm probably <laughs> never going to play that. Now, as, as I said, what the, the developers, I was concerned about, would it be repetitive when you're flying the game? But the developers have made it interesting so you do have conversations with Thomas and with other people and then there's a storyline you find out the background more and more of the character and then things happen while you're flying as well that you don't expect which I'm not going to reveal so different things happen it's not just flying from one section of the city to the other with the packages ad nauseum that there are different things that happen within the game so developers have really gone out of the way to make it interesting and then with the ex- with the extras as well, you know, speaking to other characters as well, it just it, it feels like a lived-in city. It um, you know, and that's a huge, I think, uh, accomplishment from the from the developers that it feels like the city is a living, breathing, vibrant city that people are going about their other well, nights. In this case, um, it, it takes place all through one night, very long night apparently. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> But yeah, definitely, I'd, I would recommend. And, and can so, can you crash into other taxis or? Uh, yes, you can crash. Now, nothing really. They do mention as well that it's a dangerous city to live in. That you do see every so often. You see, well, police flying, uh, chasing other other taxis as well. If you crash, though, nothing really happens. Thankfully, if you crash a few times, you uh, you just have uh, smoke coming out of the car, but. You never can stop, so you just go very slowly, but just need to go to a garage, and there are plenty of them around, and they will fix you then. So, um, But yeah, I, I had 
great time with it overall. I had a, I really, really enjoyed the game. Good. So um, I would now said it's not perfect, but um, you know I think if they added more interactivity, more you know more challenge puzzles. Now I'm not saying they should add logic puzzles, but just more variety maybe in the walking sections. I think it would be even better. But um, but yeah, so that is Cloudpunk, and that is available now. So uh, so I think there to finish off then. Uh, Laura, you played a game. We had a nice surprise, all of us, this week at time of recording, that Ron Gilbert, uh, he released a game out of nowhere. I know. Uh, beautiful thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, Ron Gilbert, obviously, um, well, well known in the, in the adventure game circle, but recently who made Thimbleweed Park, um, and yeah, he's basically released a, a sort of mini, what he's calling a mini adventure based on kind of art from Thimbleweed Park and the characters from the game. Um, and it's basically, I think he was, w- what they say in the sort of intro is that he was sort of testing out a new point and click adventure game engine um, and using art from um the Thimbleweed Park uh, game to do that, uh, then decided just to release this. Um, it's a free game; you can you can play it um, because I, I think he realised that with everything going on, it was going to be a bit difficult to to make it into a fully get ga- uh, fully sized game. I think there were other other things as well going on, but basically, the the upshot is for us, it's a good one because we can play this free sort of edition of Thimbleweed Park, and it's weird when you go back into it because I haven't played. Thimbleweed Park since it, it came out a couple of years now. So it's odd going back because the music comes in again and you're like, oh, it's that again. Yes. So there's lots of kind of nostalgia. Like, like, nostalgia. like meeting an old friend. It, it, sort of, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, So it's nice. And as it, it's called Dolores, a Thimbleweed Park mini adventure, and you do play Dolores, the adventure game developer from uh, the original game. And the idea is, I, I actually really like the concept, is that on your sort of time off, you've got some a holiday break and you're working for the Nickel News um, as a photographer. So the idea is basically um, you have to, you've got assignments to take pictures of certain things around Thimbleweed Park and you get a camera and you have to go and take them. And it's obviously not as simple as that. So it's not just like take a picture of a chair. <laughs> it's like, oh, why did he d- design a game engine around this? Um, the idea is it might be things like, take a picture of uh the 4th of July or it's it's all to do with stories in the newspaper basically so it'd be like a, a story about the 4th of July and then you have to think what picture would go with that so there might be a calendar maybe and when you sort of examine it it says it's stuck on July so then you take a picture of that and that's I don't want to give any more away but that's a really obvious one at the beginning and there's 30 uh pictures you have to take in all they're done in sort of five um photo uh sort of slots and basically once you give in those five photos the game ends then you restart it again and you get your next five so it's done in these kind of chunks because you can only save once you've given in your five photos basically so that because uh, it's just a little prototype i think that they've not built it as a sort of proper game uh but i really enjoyed it because there was some actually quite difficult puzzles and conundrums you had to solve there is a bit of you know, there's still some inventory work and the game, the new game engine is basically rather than have to click like use or examine, there's no sort of text based, you know, scum kind of um, 
uh, verbiage. It's basically any anything is lookout at, or if you right click on objects, if there's an, anything else you can do, like pick up or talk to, then that will be an option. Um, if that makes sense. So it's basically like left click to to look at or talk to and right click shows you all the other options, um, which I thought was quite a, a good way of doing it because it, it sort of the only thing was I sometimes I forgot to right click. So I'd be, you know, I'd be so used to just tapping on things. You can still combine things. You've still got an inventory, but that's the, the basically the only difference is there's no verbs. It's all about right-clicking and left-clicking, um, which seems to work pretty well. And they call it a mini-adventure. I mean, it still took me about four hours, so which is longer than some oh. normal adventure games. Yeah, <laughs> that's still longer than a lot of adventure yeah. games. Pretty. Soon. And I would say that it could take you even longer because um, near the end, I, I looked at one puzzle because I was just kept going back and forth and I was like I don't know what to do here so um no I thought I thought it was really good um near the end it gets really quite tricky but in a fun way and you kind of know the whole map then it's still basically all the same parts you see in the original Thimbleweed Park you, you, you're blocked off from seeing a couple of streets I think just to keep it a bit tighter but yeah and you see some of the old characters there's the sheriff back again and the coroner <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a funny puzzle to do with them. So yeah, I, it was just a nice return to that and surprisingly cool concept and and fun little game in its own right, to be honest. And it's free. Yeah, again, it's, it's a free Ron Gilbert adventure yeah. game. What, <laughs> what, what more? What more could people <laughs> want? It, but it's interesting. I know this is not a full sequel, but, and again, I'm not going to spoil it, but considering how Timberweed Park ends, yes. I'm curious how they could possibly continue with. Uh, yes, I don't, I don't want to say uh, too much. I mean, there, there's a bit story. of an explanation. Of course. Um, but okay. also, I mean, I have to say, again, not wanting to give much away, the ending in this one is similarly out there. I would say there's you're not you're still like okay they're still going along this kind of theme almost knowingly um and the, I would also right. say stay for the credits cuz they're about 5 minutes long and there's a lot of <laughs> in in the sort of typical monkey island style there's a lot of okay are you going to go now we we're, we're still rolling etc i need to go to the bathroom watch your car yeah. <laughs> yeah so there's all that kind of stuff but um yeah i mean it's what it's what you come to expect from, you know, the the creature of Monkey Island, Timberweed Park, etc. But um, it was still a nice surprise because I, I, I didn't know he was working on this. I don't know if either of you did. I don't think anybody no. did. I I think it's uh, because we're all in quarantine that he was working away at this and he decided to release this as a game for free. And it's okay. At least there was one good thing coming out of this uh, <laughs> quarantine and this pandemic, which. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I know it's, uh, <laughs> I still prefer not to have the pandemic, don't get me wrong, but, you know, no huge thank you to Ron Gilbert and everyone else who worked on it to release this game for free and hopefully it means that they're working on a new game. Now uh, that, uh, that would be. Yeah. Uh, that is really the good. hope. I mean, it, he's got the engine but, basically now. So obviously I imagine it'll take a bit of time. The inspiration yeah. too, apparently. Well, it's nice to see that, yes. you know, because there was a worry at the end of Thimbleweed Park because even though there was a lot of fanfare around it in the adventure gaming world, outside of that, it may be, you know, st I mean, it's very, it is difficult with those kind of games commercially to, to make a big success of it. And um, I think there was a feeling that maybe Ron had, that was it then after making Thimbleweed Park. But it looks like he's still toying away and still 
thinking in those adventure gaming terms, which is very exciting. Good. Yeah, can't, can't wait. Well, I still want, I still need to play this game. Hopefully, I can play the next few weeks. Um, did I get the voice actors? No, back, so that uh, to play is. It's basically it's not like a complete game. They even say in the start, you know, it 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 may well crash. But I mean, I I didn't experience that thankfully. So um, it's not a complete game. I mean, it is free. Um, so yeah, there's no voice acting. It's it's very much. But the the actual puzzles were were still really well thought through. So it it still felt like a a pretty good game to be honest. Uh, But yeah, you, you don't get the voice acting, and it's obviously the same art that you will see in Thimbleweed Park. Right, but I think it's still impressive considering how we just want to create an engine and then a game came out of it. Yes! <laughs> it needs to be a good game that came out of it. You know, it shows how talented yeah. it is. That, oh yeah, just making an engine. Most people just make a game kind of maybe like... would release like a little 10 minute <laughs> demo because that's what I was expecting. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it'll just be like an hour. Yeah. But it was literally like four hours. I was like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> And it could be longer, depending on how challenging you find yeah, the puzzle. definitely. There are some tricky ones near the end. Right. Well, I, I look forward to, to playing that myself. And hopefully this means that Ron Gilbert can can make another game. Now, we, as soon as we find out anything, hopefully... If, if anyone who's listening him, and, you know. and knows Ron Gilbert, we want to interview him about this new game. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you could Maybe also ask a few podcast, questions about his old games, but... Uh, yeah, maybe one or two. Point them in our yeah, direction. It's, it's the 30, 30 year anniversary of Monkey Island this wow. year. Wow, I believe it's of the original. It's like, oh my god, thirty years of the secret. Yes, oh, wow, secret of Monkey Island when it was first released. So uh, now we still need to find out what the secret is. So, <laughs> thirty well, years. We all later. we know what the secret is. Do we? Well, sort of. I mean, I. Oh, that was uh, an escape from Monkey Island. Is that what your... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not. I mean, I I don't take that as canon. I mean, it's not but... great, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a secret go. It wasn't no, it great, wasn't was it? <laughs> Why did they keep it a secret? <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, but yeah. anyway, so that was Dolores, a Timbleweed, a Timbleweed Park... Mini adventure. Uh, mini adventure. So... And mini adventure which lasts yeah, four hours. I mean, Thimbleweed so. Park, to be fair, was like a good 12, 13 hours. So obviously, yeah, the Ron, a, four while. hours is mini. <laughs> well, I mean, he's old school. I mean, for him, that that would be mini, you know, back in the 90s. So thank you, Laura, and thank you, Thomas. If you do want to help us uh, keep the podcast running, uh, we do have a Patreon account. It's a very, very independent podcast, as you may, may have heard. But uh, we do have a Patreon where people can uh, they can subscribe and you can get some extra episodes. The three of us will do an extra episode one at some point. But what I will start to do is I will also start to record myself. I will start to record uh, my thoughts and reviews on demos that I've played. And maybe Thomas and Laura, if you want to, give thoughts on demos as well. You can do that. But just to give subscribers something extra, uh, that's at the $5 tier. The $1 tier, you get uh, early access to these episodes. And um, you can. Uh, everyone will also uh, first hear about it through any announcements or anything about this podcast. You'll all be the first to hear about it. And you helping to ensure this podcast continues. Um, it is thanks to the Patreon subscribers that we are now recording through Squadcast. 
Um, now, you mightn't hear a huge difference, but it is for me, it makes it a lot easier to, well, record and to edit. So it is a huge, huge difference. So huge thank you to the Patreon subscribers that we already have. And um, we got two new Patreon subscribers. <laughs> Just want to give them a shout out as well. So two new Patreon subscribers are Ryan and Gennady Berenberg. So thank you both as well, and thank you to the rest. So if you want to uh, know more, you can check patreon.com forward slash adventure games podcast. Now, if you don't want to become a Patreon subscriber, you can still help us in different ways. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or I believe on Podchaser, other places to write a review. It can be a quick review and rating as well. It really helps uh, make people more aware of the podcast and developers who appear on this show as well. So um, it really helps us and them out as well. So you can do that. Or you can share as well on different forums or different on Discord or wherever you, uh, you are as well. So uh, I think that's, that's it then. So um, so until so next week, I will be joined by Captain D, who is going to release his game, Captain Disaster. Death has a million stomping boots. It is out on itch.io, but he's releasing it on Steam along with a free prologue. So they, and they have won the award-winning game, I should say, as well, that they won back in 2017. They won a number of AGS awards for best story and best voice acting and characters as well. So it's a pretty good game by all accounts. So I spoke with him as well. So uh, looking forward to uploading that. So um, do you guys know what you're playing now? Do you have any ideas what you're playing or just uh, we'll well, see? Well, so uh, I've just finished... The Dark Tales of Poe Monroe, which is going to get written up for Adventure Gamers, so I can nice. I can talk about that next time, I guess. Um, otherwise, sure. I might I'm kind of going to go back on some of my old games, to be honest. So I might take a bit of a look back at maybe a bit of Papers Please or things like that, which I never properly finished. Um, I, you know, I, oh, I yeah, got no, like an hour that. into that and then got distracted with something else. So yeah, a couple of old, old games in the catalogue, I think. Yeah, we were only talking about this uh, a few days ago because you apparently only have 35 <laughs> or something games that yeah. you need which to I, play. That's, which That's a lot. Is, that's still a lot. Like uh, 35 is a lot of games. Some of them is, are really lengthy games. We're not, we're not saying that it's not a lot. We're just... Compared to us. Compared to us, <laughs> nothing. I challenge you. I just, I just I mean, checked. I have, I have 431 oh my games God. in my Steam oh my library. God. Okay. 400? Oh, wow. That's more and than that's I have. just I have theme. Uh, I also have Dog, <laughs> Epic, UB, Uplay, and Origin. And are these, sorry, uh, so are these games that you've bought and not played, or are they games on your wish list? No, those are, no. These are the games in my Steam library. Oh, so you've... Uh, 431 oh games in my Steam library, including okay, the ones I, I have played on my wish list. Hmm, I wonder how much my wish okay. list is. That is a lot because I've got about 400 games. So that on my includes, wish list. So, wait, so that includes games you've played. My but wish not list finished. is seven, 1,700 games. Good lord. But I, I kind of use my wish list just to keep track of certain games. Yeah. Oh, no, I do as I well. I probably need to clean it up. Keep track of 1,700, though. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's what Steam yeah, is for. Uh, so, so, wait, so this, the 400, what, that's games you've started, or they're, they're not games you. Games no, you played. That's game in my library. Oh, okay. So library. So are the, some of those games you've finished? Yeah. Games that you played as well. So uh, with uh, with the GOG beta, you can now add uh, games from Epic, Origin, Steam, and you play to your 
GOG library. And so if I look oh. there, I have 625 games in my library. Does that include in games you finished? Yes. Ah, now, so I wasn't talking it's about still, games I finished. It's still impressive. Um, it's still impressive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is very impressive and in, intimidating. It, games I've finished are probably under 100. Oh, they, okay. Now that's a bit more. That's, yeah. So about 500 games yeah, overall. This, this, is what you, this is what you get when uh, you get Humble Bundle for like yeah. a year. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you, you get a, a ton of games. Also, uh, I, I got some free games from uh, from friends uh, who had like Humble Bundle in the past but didn't use all the keys. Uh, I got some very good offers. Like I, I remember like paying 20 euros for something of six Telltale games, in, all chapters included. So it it, it kind of adds up like that. Well, good thing the adventure genre is dead, right? Because that would give you a chance <laughs> to play all those games. <laughs> well, most of them are adventure games, so... The circle goes round. Well, I, mean, no, I, 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 I think of my uh, of my GOG library, I think uh, 90% is adventure games. So, yeah, I've got about 30 in my GOG and probably about over 100 in my Steam library. Again, including games that I've played, but... Um, I, I, I don't know if that's a record, Thomas. If anybody listening, yes, you have more games on your wish list or in your library, any library, please let us know. What was the number again? Because, just general. This is library, so just the whole in the entire oh, uh, general library, yeah, general libraries or Steam library. So, or... so you play Steam Origin Epic GOG. That is six hundred and twenty-five games, and I have on my Steam wish list seventeen hundred games. And if I look at, I have almost see uh, because if you go to Steam and you and you check out those queues, um, then you get a number of games that you've uh, watched and possibly added to your wish list. You know, um, and I'm quickly scrolling through. And most of them are. It's all just happened. It just happens all over, over and over again, again isn't it? No. <laughs> you can't count one Evans game more than one Thomas. It's not fair. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no, that's, it's Heaven's Vault and Disco Elysium over and over again. Yeah, that's that's kind of disappointing if I can if I can count Heaven's Vault only once. But um, I have looked at a total of ten thousand six hundred and twelve titles viewed in a queue on Steam, and I think of the seventeen hundred and two games now on my wish list. Most of them are adventure games or role-playing games. So it's just like a, a hobby of yours to right add podcast. games to the wish list. Then. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, uh, we're still working on that database, but uh, there's there's just a lot of story-driven games out there. Anyone who says that the adventure game is dead is is a is a moron because he had no <laughs> no idea what he's talking about. You should check Facebook. <laughs> Ah, there we go. It's it's more alive than it's ever been. We're getting more games each year than in the entire nineties. So, and a lot of them are good. I mean, Cloudpunk is really good. really good, and we've different kinds of games as well, which we've reviewed tonight as well. And uh, no, well, I am playing Attentat nineteen forty two, and I'll talk about more about that game in two weeks' time, but that's another FMV ga- game. Game? Gaim. Another FMV game. Right. Uh, 
<laughs> All right, mate. Sorry, no, I'll mm-hmm. stop. Uh, <laughs> I could I could do next uh, next no, no. just an illustrating act. No, no. no. <laughs> well, well, this game it's it's an FMV game told by a documentary, and it's about the Nazi occupation of the Czech Republic, where it's told in two thousand and one. And then you're trying to find out um, why your grandfather was arrested during the Nazi occupation. So it becomes a mystery. And you can also learn. I'm learning a lot as well. So I'll talk more about this game. We also have an interview with the developers coming up in June because they are re-releasing the game. They're basically remaking the game on Unity and putting it out, say, in a few weeks. So um, I'll also be talking about, hopefully, Virtuaverse, which is another Ooh, site. Yes, I'm interested in that one. Which was just released. And me too, it's on my wish list. <laughs> yes. No surprise there. And we'll see what else we talk about. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that not all <laughs> yes, games yeah. are on your wish list. <laughs> we saw well, story games, all narrative games. Thanks, thanks to my constant browsing through queues, you guys found out about that uh, uh, new uh, Ron Gilbert game. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, no, I'm not complaining. Okay. <laughs> well, you c- <laughs> But it is it is very funny when I see a game on Steam and it's and it says one other friend has this game on the wish list. Yeah. <laughs> Guess who? <laughs> it's Laura. It's well, very rarely me. <laughs> I've played it. It's not on my wish list. I'll have played it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's on my wish list. So Laura will have, and Laura played it. <laughs> Laura would have probably played all seventeen hundred games. Thomas will still have them on the <laughs> wish list. So. Oh, she probably finished them by by June. <laughs> probably well i think that's it for this week then uh anything else you guys want to mention before we yes steve i mean not sure if anybody's still listening but... stay safe play yeah. games definitely so um so yeah so take care of yourselves everyone and, and each other we'll be, be back kind to each other exactly and we'll be back in well, it's actually two weeks. It might feel like another seven no. years <laughs> before we're back. So but, that's uh, well, uh, 10,000 oh, games yeah. for Laura? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but, well, thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. And well, we'll be back next week with Captain D. If you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for Adventure Game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you